0: Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots
1: Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shots. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me for the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. We'll have our usual union hockey segment as the men's and women's teams get ready for Week in action, the men hosting St. Lawrence at Clarkson and the women going to Dartmouth and Harvard. Well, there's some sad news in the uh, Capital Region sports scene uh, uh, the, with the passing of uh, a bowling legend in Kenny Hall. And to talk about that is a man who covers bowling for the Daily Gazette and, of course, does an outstanding job, uh, Bob Weiner. Bob, uh, thanks for coming on. and. uh uh, I guess I, I I hadn't spoken to Kenny in a long time. I, I guess I didn't know he was ill. But uh, did, did his, his death caught catch you by surprise? Not
0: really, Ken.
1: Uh, he was he was ill
0: for quite some time, and it kind of escalated in the last year. So a lot of his bowling I think a lot of his bowling friends uh, who didn't know him really well were, were surprised because at sixty five is not that old to pass away. But uh, he did have a lot, of, a lot of physical problems in the
1: last year or two. Talk about his career. I mean, obviously, he's a, a legend here locally, and he was on the, on the PBA Tour for a while.
0: You know, he's probably one of the longest-running members of the PBA Tour. He was on the Tour for six years full-time. We don't really have anybody else who did that that long. And then he went another eight years part-time. So he really was on the PBA Tour bowling against the best uh, bowlers in the world for quite a long time. And he finished fourth in 1982, the PBA Cleveland Open. So he wasn't just a journeyman. Uh, he also had like six or seven top ten finishes. He was a very good bowler.
1: I probably, I mean, I watched the PBA, the, the Pro Bowl tour was on ABC on Saturdays with uh, Chris Schenkel and Nelson Burton Jr. Maybe I saw Kenny Hill. I, I, I can't recall, obviously, because he, he had the Earl athletes and Mark ross out there. But, I mean, to be among those, did he ever talk about, you know, yeah, going shoulder to shoulder with of those legends. Yes, he did.
0: Uh, it was a lot of fun. I went to his pro shop quite often to get balls drilled and lessons and things like that. We always had to reflect a little bit on the past. Uh, some of his favorites, who were very good friends with his, included Earl Anthony. Mm-hmm. So, And then Earl Anthony, for, for those who, who probably know the game of, uh, quite well, he's probably the all-time best or among the top three best bowlers uh, in, in uh, history. And they were quite close. Uh, he also was able to meet several other bowlers. You know, when you're on the road, there's a lot of things, a lot of time to kill. So he, he knew a lot of bowlers. He knew the Webers. A lot of people remember Dick Weber. Yep. So he, he knew a lot of them. And some of the stories, uh, some of them you
1: just can't retell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can. Oh, you know, we, 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 we could. Know, right nice <laughs> we, we, we had to go after dark or uh, go blue or something like that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, he had quite quite a long career. On the pro tour, and most of those friends he kept right to the very last days.
1: He was always on the phone with them, checking yeah. out, and they were calling him, seeing how he was doing. Yeah, one of my last bowling balls I got was from him. I mean, I remember he, when he had this pro shop over where now yeah, Dunkin' Donuts is. Uh, they were there across at Crosstown and uh, and wide. I remember you know going over there and getting. And he had those couple of lanes there. Was he? Did he enjoy being a pro shop owner and having be able to help other people? He was
0: thrilled with it because they were all part of his family, Ken. He remembered every single person, and remember, he drilled more than 1,000 bowling balls, uh, maybe 10,000 bowling balls. Yeah, he said. It like, But he would remember everybody that he booked, that he uh, drilled a ball for as part of his family. Because he figured if he did that, that's, that was his connection to him. So, so many youngsters got their very first ball with Kenny Hall. And uh,
1: yeah, he enjoyed it tremendously. He was very good at it, also. His specs were always good. Uh, I hope your bowling ball went well for you. <laughs> it, it did. I mean, I, sometimes I mean the 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 person actually throwing the ball was not that good. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you weren't bad, Jamie. can kind of
0: missed, with the you always
1: Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, uh, you know, times change, and the priorities are you know, what they are. But uh, I mean, talk about his influence locally. What what did he mean to the capital region uh, in bowling?
0: Well, he was the voice of bowling. Yeah. For one thing, that, uh, the Huffington Capital Region Bowling Show, that ran for 13 years. Ken, it was the only show of its kind in the country, mm-hmm. only the local bowling show at that time. Now, back in the 50s and 60s, when bowling was really popular, there were some local bowling t- uh, shows on TV, as well as the, the national tour, of course. But during that time that the Capital Region Bowling Show was going on, that was the only show of its kind. Yeah. So. People, local, people got to see us every Sunday morning to see themselves or their buddies you know, bowling for like a $1,000, which wasn't bad at the time. And then he gave tips of the week every time, and he had a couple of stories every week. And people knew him. Uh, the whole bowling community knew him so well because he was a color commentator on that show.
1: And the chemistry he had with John Craig doing those shows was, was amazing.
0: It was. You know, John's also a good friend of mine. And John didn't know that much about bowling when they first started. By the time they got done, he knew a lot. Because Kenny he really kept him on his toes.
1: Yeah, of course, I saw John bowl a couple of times in the Gazette League. And yeah, he's, he's a good talker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but John. That, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's true. But, but uh, they worked very well together. And as John told me, they became such good friends because they were on the road every other week. Uh,
2: producing those shows. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I grew up in Philadelphia. There used to be a bowling show on one of the local TV stations uh, every week, and t- twice you know, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. I used to, I used to watch that as well. I mean, I yeah, I loved you know, the bowling and being uh, able to watch that stuff on TV. And unfortunately, you don't see me see a little bit of it, but not in its heyday. No, exactly. It's just a different era now. Um, a lot of people really
0: wish that show came back because it gave a chance for people not only to win some money but to get on television. Yeah. It doesn't happen for most of us. You
1: know, not... uh, what else? I, mean, I, I saw in your article you know, not only was a great bowler, he was good at other uh, athletic uh, endeavors. Well, Ken,
0: he was almost as good at golf. Uh, Kenny Hall was a regular participant in the Gazette County Amateur and then the Gazette Senior County Amateur. Now they're called the Schenectady Classic. Yeah. And he finished in the top five many times. And he always lamented the fact that he didn't win a title, because he was always competitive in that. But he did win the Capital District Stroke Stroke Play Championship, which at the time was one of our majors. Mm-hmm. So he was a major champion uh, locally in golf. That's, that's saying something, considering that he was known for his bowling exploits.
3: Yeah.
0: And you know, I'll tell you something else, Ken. Bill Buell, the former bowling writer at the Gazette, told me that Kenny Hall was quite the tennis player, and he didn't even realize it. He challenged Bill. <laughs> to a little fun match at one time, and Kenny was really good athlete. They had a great time back in the uh, I guess it was the, the late 80s or early 90s. They played a bowling match, or excuse me, a tennis match, with another bowler named Pete Couture and Kenny against Bill Buell and another tennis player. Wow. And
1: it was very competitive. So he said Kenny was a natural athlete. And I, you know, I see reading your story, he's also played high school hockey. I didn't even realize that. Exactly. He
0: played high school hockey with great athletes. Of course, you know, hockey players don't, unless there's another uh, level to go to, it takes an awful lot of time out of your schedule. He gave up hockey, but then he continued to play baseball and softball. He played uh, in some of our area's really good uh, fast-pitch softball leagues, including one behind Sportsman's Ball. So he was a good baseball player, too. Wow.
1: Uh, How much will he be missed here in the Capital Region? You there, Bob? Yes, I have. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. How, how much will he be missed in the capital region?
0: Oh, he'll be missed by so many people because he was really kind of one of a kind. He always had jokes to tell, all kinds of stories, and he was a practical joker as well. He always pulled something on you. You never knew when he was going. You knew that at some point he was going to get you. You just didn't know when. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, I mean, I I'm reading the one quote he said. To you were in a recent column that you wrote. He he said he I've got the to touch so many lives in our sport, so I feel very lucky. And I, I think that, that probably sums him up, just a, uh, a great guy. I mean, I, I always say I was friends with him, but I, know, I knew him you know, through bowling. and uh, But, yeah, he always had some nice things to say. And uh, it's, it's, it was a tough day when we heard uh, that happen. Yes, you know, and it
0: really, it really was. Uh, he was a great guy, one of a kind, always had a laugh. And
1: uh, if you met Kenny Hall, you
0: remember Kenny Hall.
1: Yeah, so uh, I appreciate a few minutes, Bob. Of course, Bob's column uh, in the pocket runs every Friday in the Daily Gazette and online at uh, dailygazette.com. We usually get that up on uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, Bob, appreciate a few minutes reminiscing about uh, Kenny Hall. Thank you very much for the time, Kenny. I appreciate it. All right, that's Bob White. I'll be back uh, in just a moment. We'll talk some Union College Hockey. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast.
4: It's been a trying year for parents. They've been confronted with countless challenges and have always risen to the occasion. If it isn't too much to ask, the 370,000 high school student athletes in New York have one last request. Please set an example. Disorderly fan conduct at high school athletic events is on the rise. It increasingly involves parents, There's no question that parents are passionate. There's no question they care about their children. But at a time when we're all wound a little more tightly than usual, it's worth remembering this about New York high school sports. Always be a good example. Stop unruly fan behavior before it starts.
0: This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
2: Hi, this is Santa Men's Basketball Coach Carmen Massarello. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Shot.
1: Welcome back to the podcast, and it's our weekly uh, Union Hockey segment as we take a look at the uh, Dutchmen and Dutch women. Let's start with the uh, Dutchmen who had an uh, interesting uh, weekend last weekend. Uh, once again, another blowout loss. Uh, this one was six-two uh, to Brown in a game that was really over in the first period. Union was down three nothing. And, I mean, they got to 3-1, but then you know, Brown just took control. Brown was just the more dominant team in that game last Friday. Uh, so it was just a, a rough outing for the Dutchman. And they had to go to Yale on Saturday. And uh, it, was, it was interesting to see Yale was coming off a victory over RPI. And uh, it was also a, a change in goals tending. Uh, Kyle Chauvet uh, made his first ECAC hockey start and he was brilliant made 30 saves in the 65 minutes that was played it was a scoreless game although late in the third period uh, liam robertson apparently scored a goal nice move uh, put a backhander into the net and uh, just about over three minutes left in the third period to allegedly and apparently break a, a scoreless tie but then confusion reigned right after that, and um, you know, I was watching the ESPN Plus broadcast, and the Yale broadcasters were speculating maybe there were lo- referees went off to the uh, the video room, uh, which is off the ice at Ingalls Rink, and they were speculating maybe there was goaltender interference or maybe even offside. Uh, the replays that were they were basically showing was the, on the goal, and there was no goaltender interference. We didn't see any video going back to the uh, if there was any offside. Well, the referees come out, and not only does Union lose the goal, the Dutchman lose Liam Robinson for the rest of the game with a uh, major for kneeing, a five-minute major. And I was completely shocked that the announcers were completely shocked. Um, that the Apparently, the the incident happened about 10 to 15 seconds beforehand. Uh, the Yale video uh, people saw it, and it called down to uh, Keith Elaine, the head coach, and he challenged him. Won the challenge and uh, Yale got a five-minute uh, power play to uh, close out the third period. and A great chance to win the game. Well, Union uh, killed it off, and we also got some help from Yale. And uh, they Yale took a penalty late in the third period to make it four and four. Uh, the game went to overtime, and the, uh, the Yale was able to finish off the power play, but didn't score. Went to a shootout. And Union won the shootout in the fourth round. Three of the shots that Union had hit the post. Uh, The fourth one by Tyler Watkins hit the post, hit the Yale goaltender, and uh, rolled into the net. And Chauvet stopped all four shots he faced in the shootout. Um, Tuesday was the um, weekly media availability for both hockey teams. And I want to start with uh, Liam Robertson. Uh, I talked to him about uh, the – the confusion uh, that led to his ejection. Also, uh, on the dance were goaltenders uh, Connor Murphy and Kyle Chauvet, and we uh, asked about their situation. So let's start with uh, Liam Robertson. I think i start with you. You scored a game win- or it looked like you scored a go-ahead goal first goal of the game against Yale. They have a video review. What was going through your head I mean, You that know, you go from having a goal to losing the goal and getting ejected?
5: Oh, I was pretty upset about it, that's for sure. Um, I didn't think it was as bad as what they they thought it was, but I mean, it's not up to me. Um, I thought it, if anything, it only deserved a two-minute penalty, but like I said, it's not up to me. But uh, it's pretty frustrating, especially not being able to participate at the end of the game and overtime. So,
1: I mean, Owen, you obviously being a captain, what, when they were told you guys about what, what was the reaction like? What I mean, obviously they didn't announce what they were reviewing because uh, they were speculating on the uh, ESPN Plus broadcast that it could have been a goaltender interference or an offside. Uh, when they told you it was a kneeing major and the goal was being taken away, what was the reaction of, of the players? Uh, we
6: knew the challenge going in. The, the refs come over, the linesmen, and, and will let us know. Um, but for the minute they went to go challenge it um, on the bench, it's just, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen, and either we got to kill off a five and, and win it in overtime, or, uh, you know, we got to hold on to this lead. So um, just a mentality of you got to take what's given to you. Unfortunately, obviously for Robbie and for us, that's not what we wanted to happen, but we found a way. How important was it to kill
1: off that PK? Because you guys had been struggling, but against Yale, you were killing off those penalties, especially a lot in the third period, and you got a break also when Yale took a penalty during that major. So how important was it to be able to kill that uh, major uh, late in the third and in overtime?
6: Yeah, obviously it's huge. I mean, if they had scored at any point on that, it probably would have been the game. Uh, no, obviously, no overtime. We went over. So our PK has, you know, got through a bit of a, a slide here, and you know that was a, a huge focus for us going into that night to win the special teams battle, um, or at least come out even. And um, it took a lot of grit, a lot of block shots in order, to, and big saves and shots in order to uh, to get out.
1: How important was it to get that win, especially what happened with Brown and the way, you know, you know, winning on the road like like that? Because you you had been struggling on the road, and it was just mm-hmm. the second. Technically, the second win obviously is a tie overall, but um, to be able to to get out of there with two points in the, in the standings uh, after a rough night at Brown.
6: Yeah, obviously, as a weekend as a whole, it's not what we had, had wanted to go in and only leave with two points. But kind of going into Saturday, you got to shake off Friday and, and make the most out of your, your next night. Uh, points are an easy to come by in this league, and to be able to get two on the road is um, you know what we wanted at least.
1: Kyle, for you, uh, your first collegiate shutout. Your first uh, conference start. Uh, when Josh told you you were starting, what was your reaction like? And was it, were there any nerves because this was, you know, you, you've always started before against New Hampshire and UConn um, kind of earlier this season, but this is your first conference start. This is a game where you know, points are on the line. So, how were there, were there any nerves going into that
7: one?
5: Um, I'd say, like, I mean, like I said before, like, there's always nerves going into a game. Um, I wasn't necessarily looking at it as, like, you know, any different than conference non-conference game? Like you still want to approach it the same way, and um, like obviously it's an important game, um, but you're gonna prepare the same way, and that's what I did for for that night.
1: Did Connor give you any advice going into that game?
5: Um, yeah, I mean it, it was nice. Uh, I get to got to room with him on the road, so um, you know he just told me to just relax and just have fun with it, and and um, just you know it was really really helpful just to be able to spend some time with him before the game and, and just get, get me in a good mindset before.
1: To go to that shootout, stop all four shots. I
5: mean, how big was that? Yeah, it was um it was fun. I mean, you know, I um going into the shootout, like I just wanna just go out there and just compete. Like um I take a lot of breakaways at practice just to prepare for those those moments just in case. So, um, you know, I was ready for it, I was I was confident going in and um, I'm just happy that we came out with the with the win. Were
1: there any nerves with that major penalty?
5: Um, I'd say like not not really. I'd say I just kind of approached it the same way, like Kind of when when I went to the bench, like, um, the refs came over and I knew from the team what they were reviewing. So, like, I just went into it preparing to to go in on the kill. Um, So, that was kind of my mindset there.
1: Connor, how would you rate his performance on Saturday?
6: Yeah, I thought he was stellar. I mean, I thought, obviously, you know, it was his second start. Um, uh, He looked extremely confident. You know, I had... I think everybody on the team had full faith in him. Um, you know, he, he looked like he belonged in there, and, and he does. So um, it was really great to see. I'm really happy for him, and you know, there's a lot more to come. So, I mean, exciting.
1: I mean, I'll have to ask Josh later, but do you know what the dynamic is at this point? Has he talked to you about if you guys are gonna split the roles or anything? Or at this point?
6: No, I haven't heard anything yet, so. Kyle. No. Uh,
1: do you, do you, would you guys feel comfortable? alternating starts to me to, to, to maybe give you
3: a
6: little more rest as we get toward the home stretch of the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the coach's decision ultimately, you know, whatever whatever happens, like, you know, we're going to be happy with, like, it's it's the nature of the game, it's a, it's a business, so, you know, it's whatever, whatever he decides, I think it's best for the team, and, you know, if we split, I think it's great, we get both, both of us get a chance to, uh, you know, to, to showcase our skills, and I mean, it just helps the team out that much more.
5: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I completely agree. You know, it's it's obviously not up to us. Like, we're just going out and competing every day. And um, it's just, you know, just take it one day at a time. And um, whether you're playing or not, like, you still want to support the team. And, and we just want to get wins. That's all that, that really matters.
3: Since it's more of, like, a personal preference, I guess, after having a really strong weekend on the road, coming home this weekend, having an exciting, you know, matchup with, the other team on the other side of the capital region. After that, how does it help having a successful road weekend as you're, you know, getting ready to come back to Mason Rink and kind of ho- hoping that that's a good start to an upward tick in the season? Yes, you know, personal preference. So.
6: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that um, anytime you can build momentum, especially at this part of the season, is huge. So uh, having a, a strong weekend this weekend, building into a one-game weekend and with the Mayor's Cup uh, is extremely important. And you know, we're taking this week seriously. Um, you're
1: going to face the St. Lawrence team that you lost to earlier this season. Now you're starting to face the teams again this season. I mean, how important is it you know, you're chasing these teams in St. Lawrence and Clarks trying to get that home ice slot for at least the first round? Obviously, the goal is to try to get a first-round bye, but you know, small things first. I mean, how important is it to you know, come away with six points this
8: weekend?
6: Yeah, obviously, anytime you're chasing teams a little bit ahead of you in the standings, um, it's just that much more important to, to close that gap. Uh, I think with Slew and Clarkson, both those teams are in that range where we want to catch. And uh, Obviously, going back to those games, we beat Clarkson, and um, we, we had an unfortunate amount of penalties that led to a Slew loss, but we don't think that by any means that they're a team that we can't compete with. Um, so we're looking at it from a two-win perspective that uh, you know we have two games where we can come in and, and hopefully get six points out of. Yeah.
5: yeah, I mean, coming in any weekend, we want to come out with six points, and... Uh, it's probably the most important thing we're looking for, and especially being uh, below those two teams, it's uh, it's crucial that we come out with six. Uh, we're going to start with Friday, though, looking for three on Friday, and then uh, three on Saturday as well.
1: How comfortable, and get back to the goaltender situation, to have two really good goaltenders on your team that you have confidence in?
5: Well, yeah, it's, it's what every, dream, or every team wants, and uh, I think we have the perfect two goalies for us. They've played outstanding this year so far, and... Uh, we, Hopefully they can keep it
2: up, guys. You were able to uh, to jump RPI on Saturday with that uh, shootout win because uh, they came up empty this weekend. Is that something you guys pay attention at all? Like, okay, we got you know we obviously have a big matchup coming up with them. We were able to to leap them. Is that something you pay attention at all? Or are you just kind of focused on on your own game?
6: I think we'd be lying if we said we didn't look at it a little bit. But I think as much as you can, you really have to focus on yourself because you know at the end of the day we can um, we can pick up as many points as we can, um, and we just got to look inward. Um, if you're constantly worrying about, you know, looking at scores uh, between periods of other games and trying to play the math game of, you know, who's jumping who, uh, where are you going to end up in the playoffs. Um, we are a little far away from that as of right now. So it's just p- picking up points and moving up as far as we can.
1: Up next is Dutchman head coach Josh Halgee. Uh We started the conversation with the Leah Robertson situation. but Of course, they also talked about the goaltending situation Uh, Union has an interesting dilemma, which I wrote about in uh, Thursday's Daily Gazette and online at uh, dailygazette.com. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who starts on Friday against St. Lawrence. Union right now in the uh, standings is in ninth place with 11 points, two points behind Brown for that final home-wide spot in the uh, first-round sudden death game. Uh, They are three points behind seventh-place Clarkson and six points behind behind sixth place, St. Lawrence. So this is a big weekend for the Dutchman to try to gain some points. So we, there's a lot of discussion about that. Also, as I said, uh, with about Leah Robertson and the goaltending situation. All right, uh, you had a chance to look at the tape yet, and was the right call made in that Leah Robertson situation?
4: I, I think it was definitely a penalty. Um, you know, from, from the ESPN Plus angle, I don't think it should have been a five. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, you got him with a knee. It was a penalty. Um, I don't think it led directly to the goal. I think it was 20 seconds later or something. But, um, yeah, proud of the guys for killing off that five and, and finding a way to win in the shootout.
1: Yeah, how big was that? Because, you know, the PK had been struggling in the previous three games, and you guys were perfect on that night, especially in that five. minute. of course, you got a little help from Yale taking a penalty midway through that. So, I mean, to be able to, you know, kill that off from regulation to overtime, I mean, how... How much were the momentum you feel what you got from
4: that well I I think just as a team for us like we needed to have a game like that on the penalty kill to know that you know we can kill multiple penalties and um, especially during you know extended time um, I think for us it'll, it'll go a long way um, as much as I'd like to have the win in regulation like kind of where we're at as a program and team right now I think it was a really big win for us and to fight through that adversity I think will be huge moving forward yeah,
1: Kyle show that first conference start? Put the, the shutout and stopping you know, four shots in the shootout as well. Do you have? I mean, we talked about this last week, and you said Murphy's your guy. But with the way Kyle played, do you have a, the luxury now of maybe splitting
4: the fare as the season goes on? Well, yeah, I think we have the ability that we have two really good goaltenders, and you know, it's, it's. Uh, I, I think they have a really good relationship, and they work well together. And um, I know Kyle's learning from Connor, and Connor's learning from Kyle. So I think it's it's great to have. Um, you know, they're going to battle for the net every single week, and um, we're, we're excited about, you know, having two really good goalies.
1: How important is it for you to decide in practice which one's having the better week and leading into Friday?
4: Well, I think it's just having them push each other and make make each other better and have competition at every position is, is always great, um, and I think, you know, Connor's obviously a veteran and proven, and, you know, Kyle's, like, you know, for us, our goalie of the future, and, you know, he's trying to you know, get as much, you know, as much ice time and minutes as he can right now. And he's, he's earned more than I thought he would at the start of the year, just by his compete and effort and super excited about them both.
1: Is it too early to say you're starting Friday
4: night? Uh, Yeah. I mean, at at this point, I think we have a kind of a a plan moving forward as to how we want to operate again. Like I think Connor just having a, a night off is good from time to time. And, you know, um, Kyle is going to continue to push and earn as much as he can.
1: Especially with the cramping situation, that you know, he's been bothered
4: with? Yeah, I think you look at what you know. Kyle's had to deal with. He's had to go in in some pretty difficult situation, handle himself well, and um, you know Connor is you know mentally had to have you know <laughs> handle some tough situations. So proud of both of them for how they've handled this. You know the cards they've been dealt.
3: With the energy around the team after having the week that the weekend that you just had, pretty optimistic. Do you feel like that's still that's still there, or is that something you kind of have to keep working on to build on to this weekend?
4: I, I think it's important that we keep building on you know any momentum we can grab as a group, and um, you know we're trying to you know, like I said build a culture and set a standard. So I think just having you know, little goals and showing, hey, if we if we compete and play this hard, we can have success is important, and especially, um, you know, moving into conference play. Do you, Coach, see you those, sorry.
3: Go ahead. Do you see that building block? Do you see it happening? You-,
4: you know, I, th- I think there's been some days where I, you know, I, hey, they figured it out and we got it, um, and then days where you take a step back. Um, the one thing is, like, our, our effort has always been, pretty good there's just we have to play with passion and compete like we have to do that for us to be successful and the nights where we take that first period and it and work our way into it is when we get into trouble so i think you know you really saw it on saturday like we we set the pace right away we we're you know a zero zero after the first but i thought we controlled the first period and really set the pace of the game
2: Coach, after coming up empty against Brown, did you feel like, uh, obviously, with the you know some of the road struggles this year, did you feel like coming away with points against Yale was almost a must on Saturday?
4: I, I think any time you go in the weekend, you want to make sure you try to get some points on the weekend. So when you you know put yourself in the hole by not taking care of business on Friday night, um, yeah, Saturday becomes that much more important. And I thought the the guys responded and um, overall, like I said, I, I was just really disappointed with the first period of Friday night's game. And um, and that was on me. I got to make sure the team's ready. I put it on them on Saturday, and they got themselves ready, and they, they did, did a great job.
2: And to see a freshman keeper step up the way he did in that really important moment in the season, I mean, can you just talk a little bit about, from the coach's point of view, what you saw out of Kyle and, and just how, how proud you were of that effort?
4: I can't stress how you know, how proud we are as, as a staff of Kyle. I mean, he's had a really it's, – it's a hard year. You're coming in it's a new coach I didn't recruit Kyle Um, he was you know he stayed loyal to the program Um, then you have a you know a veteran starter in Connor Murphy who's extremely talented and he just kept working and um, biding his time and he's whenever he's been called upon he's done a great job at um, you know it bodes well for his future with us and um, you know a- extremely excited about him and just all the steps he's taken as a young goaltender
1: Is it a good problem to have every two quality <laughs> goaltenders
4: like that? Yeah I mean like it's it's a tough position to find you know really good guys and I, I told Kyle like I know he was always he's been worried about you know hey you didn't recruit me but like looking at what we're trying to build we're trying to gra- grab players like Kyle Chevette and just you know I, I'm fortunate enough that the you know uh, Coach Ronan and you know did, did a great job, in Coach Bennett, of grabbing a goalie like him because he's he's got a bright future in front of him.
1: How would you assess things? I mean, we were just getting past the first half of the ECAC hockey <coughs> season. Uh, how would you assess things right now with with this team? Offense. Let's, let's start with the offense. I mean, it's, it's I, obviously, it has been shooting the puck's been an issue.
4: Yeah, I think you know we knew that. Obviously, we lost some key guys and some key contributors from last year's team, and. Um, you know, brought a whole new group in and um, excited about their ability, but we still have to we have to find ways to, to generate more. And I think that's been a focal point for us is you know how can we get more shots and traffic to the net? Uh, how can we you know finish some opportunities? And you know we we're going to try to score three a night like that's our goal. And we got to find different ways, whether it's off of face offs, special teams. Um, Transitioning a little quicker, so those are all areas of, of emphasis for us right now. Um, Defense, it's been up and down, um, and I think when you look, you got four first-year defensemen that are playing really key minutes. You have Mason Snell who didn't, you know, play at all last season. So five guys that are kind of coming back to their first experience with college hockey. You're going to have some nights where where the game gets away from you. We got to make sure that we don't have you know any more of those nights. Um, but I thought Saturday was a huge step for us as a group.
1: What about the Coltang, I man? You know, do you like what you have right now?
4: Yeah, I mean, like, love both guys. I think they're, they're both first great people. They work really hard, and, and uh, you couldn't ask for much more out of both of them.
1: How would you assess the job you're doing? I,
4: I, I'm confident that um, we got the program trending in the right direction. I think that... You know, I think I nailed my assistant hires. I, I think I did a great job picking guys in Lenny and John that uh, really complement me and kind of want want to continue and build what we're trying to build. Um, you know, going to make some mistakes along the way, but really fired up about the job I, that we're doing as a group and and where we're trending. Um,
1: yeah, that was the second half of the season getting going here with uh, you going to see teams again that you saw.
4: Earlier, starting with St. Lawrence on Friday,
1: you know, game that you, know, you took too many penalties up there, yep. up in Canton, and lost. Uh, and you, and you also faced Clarkson, teams that are ahead of you in that position for home ice in the uh, sudden death first round. Uh, how important is it to get six points and get yourself back in, in that home ice
4: uh, conversation? Well, we've clearly been a you know a better home team, so I think you know trying to get in the spot where we're playing as many games at home is is important. Um, with that being said, I think it's just a day, day-to-day process for us to get better. Um, I, I think our ceiling's still a lot higher than other teams um, that we're chasing, just because we're young and we're growing and we're growing together. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's important to get you know as many points as you can, but I to for us to say we have to have six this week. And I don't, you know, if we don't if we get five, I'd, I'd be excited. If as long as we just keep getting better.
1: Also found out that uh, Dutchman senior forward Matt Allen has entered the NCAA transfer portal. He wants to continue his education and his college hockey career. He's looking to either get uh, a master's degree or a gra- uh, find a graduate uh, degree. Uh, he's an economics major. Uh, he cannot, you now; union doesn't offer those uh, master's degree or graduate programs in economics. So uh, you can't blame Allen because he, he was part of the, uh, uh, Union squad in 2020-21 when uh, that season was canceled because of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. So here's Matt Allen talking about uh, uh, entering the portal. You just talked to me. You're entering the transfer portal. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I did uh, I, I be, um, obviously, you're senior. It's circumstances beyond your control. Yeah. You can't play here because there's no graduate program. Right. How... how how tough is it? Because, me, I mean, obviously you probably, you want to finish your college career yeah. at the place you started, but knowing with everything that happened with COVID, uh, to be able to have one more year maybe somewhere else, I mean, how exciting is that?
7: Yeah, no, it is. It's it's definitely exciting, especially because, um, you know, the guys who, who entered last year um, are doing so well. Um, it's, it's just nice to see, you um, know, get the opportunity to see what else is out there. And, um, like you said, the COVID year, we kind of, kind of got um, screwed over with that. So it's nice to be able to play four years for sure.
1: Are you, I know it's earlier, but there's any yeah. particular school you're looking at or what kind of institution?
7: Um, I mean, I'm definitely looking at um, specific uh, master's programs and grad programs, but there's no finite schools that I'm really focused in on right now. I'm kind of just um, seeing who reaches out and um, just going from there.
6: What are you majoring in right now?
7: Economics.
1: Is that something down the road? What would you want to do with that degree once you're done playing hockey?
7: I'm not sure yet. So I know I definitely want to do something business-related. But, yeah, whether that's specifically um, something in economics or if it's finance or um, accounting, I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, it's something that I'm definitely going to start thinking about um, as this process um, continues.
1: I know it was a couple months left of the season, but... What is, has the union experience been like for you?
7: It's been great. I mean, I was so obviously I was recruited by um, Rick and Tap, um, and now they're both gone. And so now it, it was nice to kind of to play for them and and see their style, and then have Josh come and and you know play with a completely different um, style, which has both had their uh, positives. But yeah, it's been good. I feel like I have a full experience, um, which is nice.
1: I should mention that uh, Union senior captain Owen Farris was also on the dais along with uh, Robertson, uh, Chauvet, and Murphy talking about the uh, situation that happened at Yale. Well, coming up, we'll talk Union College women's hockey as the Dutch women get set to play Dartmouth and Harvard on the road. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Are
0: you an enthusiastic sports fan?
2: I'm Frank Calando, pretending to be Morgan Freeman, maybe even a little bit of John Madden or Robert Downey Jr., a comedian, impressionist, playboy philanthropist, maybe not the last two. And you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott.
1: Welcome back to the podcast as we continue our look at Union College Hockey. And now it's uh, the Dutch women's turn. And the Dutch women are mired in a slump ever since winning that uh, Program record 10th uh, game in div- at Division I level against St. Michael's back on January 2nd. Uh, the Union women's team has lost four straight, and very badly have they lost. Uh, they've been outscored 27-2. They've been shut out in three consecutive games. Uh, they've lost a couple of key players. Their injury and in Raleigh Walsh, their leading scorer, and uh, Celeste Bowden, who is their third leading scorer. They both missed last Saturday's game against Clarkson. Uh, you know, Josh, Josh uh, Skiba, the head coach, will talk about that in just a little bit. That was one of my first questions to him. But uh, Union finds himself fading out of the playoff spot right now. Uh, this, is, of course, the final year of just eight teams making the uh, postseason tournament next year. All twelve uh, women's teams will make the uh, the uh, tournament. Union right now with eight and a half points. And if you're unfamiliar, as Hawaii, there's half points. Unlike the men, the women do not go to shootouts. If a game is tied after five minutes of sudden death overtime, it ends in a tie. What a novelty. Tie games? Are you allowed that? that? (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, like I said, Union has eight and a half points. They are six and a half points behind eighth place Princeton. That's the final playoff spot. Uh, They trail RPI by a point. Uh, RPI and Union will play a a league game next Friday at Houston Fieldhouse and then play the Mayor's Cup uh, next Saturday. You, uh Union will head to uh Dartmouth on Friday and Harvard on Saturday. Of course, they had a memorable game against Dartmouth back in November when they were the Dutchmen Dutch women were down four to one in the third period. They rallied to tie it and won it in overtime on a Riley walsh goal. Uh the day before they had tied Harvard. So that was a good weekend for the Dutch women. They're looking to get back into that mode, and we'll have uh Josh uh Skiba. And players Emily King, the uh, team captain, and goaltender Sophie Maxoukas. Josh, can you uh, give us an update on the stats of Riley Walsh and Celeste Bowden?
8: Um, in terms of in, like, injuries? In terms or, injuries? Um, well, I think Celeste is injured right now, just uh, taking it kind of day by day for, for her. And uh, I think Riley should be back in uh, the lineup hopefully this weekend. Yeah, scoring has dried up.
1: Um, you have three straight shutouts. You haven't scored a goal since the final seconds of the uh, Cornell game. What do you have to do to get back to where you guys
8: were? Well, I think I think we have to prepare uh, better. You know, I think for the last couple games, certainly not the results that that we want. Um, you know, I think I take full accountability for that. I think our group needs to be more prepared for what we're doing, and I think that falls and starts with with me and our preparation. So I think for for us, I think. You know, when you, when you don't have success, um, I think some doubt starts to creep in in terms of our belief in what we're doing. And I think for us, it's just returning to understand what gave us success before, you know. And I think uh, we've been doing a lot of really good things this season that we want to, I think, get back to in a lot of ways and continue to have that supreme belief like we do and what we're doing. So um, for me, it starts with me, I think, just making sure that we're driving the right things at practice and making sure we set the, the tone for, for our players to be able to have an environment where they can feel like they can grow um, and have an environment where it's going to translate to success for us Friday and Saturday.
1: Emily, where's this team's confidence? I mean, you guys come off the high of you know setting the record for most wins in pro-air history, and now you know, four straight losses and including three straight shutouts. Where's this team's confidence right now?
9: Um, I think, I mean, it's just hard we played like really good teams so that also has something to do with it but we should be able to play with those teams and I think that we have the confidence that we can beat them eventually I think we just had a little bit of a downward slope for, like a bad little week or two and I think that if we just keep taking it day by day and like working hard in <laughs> practice and going over how we know how to play hockey we'll bounce back but I don't really think that this will be too much of a damper on our overall success. Sophie? I think it was just a dip in the road. We had a
10: couple bad weeks, but that happens to everyone and just not letting that affect us and coming back and playing harder and just going back to our game and coming out strong in the next game.
2: Coach, you said it kind of comes down to uh, you know preparation or maybe a little underprepared. You guys were you know so prepared during that stretch with Franklin Pierce and then when you finally got that 10th win. Do you maybe know the, the reason for why there's been a little bit of drop in preparation over these last three games or so?
8: Um, Well, I think winning is a process, right? I think there's a lot of things that go into winning. And I think, yeah, we played some good teams. I think that exposed some of the things that we're not doing really well right now. Um, And I think it's just a returning to things that we were doing well earlier in the season, right? So for me, it's just got to be about creating that environment practice, right? Driving certain standards, making sure that our team is prepared, uh, making sure that our team is over-exaggerating certain pieces of our game that are going to show up on Friday and Saturday. So I don't think it's anything that we need to drastically change. I think it's just a return to what we uh, know has been working and, and make sure we exaggerate that more for us.
2: Can you maybe elaborate a little bit about what was going so well during that stretch and maybe what you're hoping to get back to or hoping to see that you haven't seen these last few games?
8: Yeah, I think I think certainly there's a lot of little nuances that we talk about with our group that we go over in video. But I think um, ultimately we, we want our team to be more predictable. We want our team to be more connected on the ice. And I think those are big things where, you know, if we feel like those are, are – are parts of our game, it's going to allow us to be, you know, execute what we want to do a lot easier. So um, we're trying to find ways in practice where we can create that environment, where we can be competitive, where we can execute, um, but we can feel more connected as, as a full group.
1: These losses obviously affected your playoff positioning. We've got nine league games left. What do you have to do to get back into the race, you know, getting in that
8: top eight? Well, cert- certainly we, get, we have to execute. We have to win games, right? We have to bring in points against uh, opponents that we're playing. And I think, you know, the next four games, I think, here for us for sure are teams that we uh, need to take points from. I don't think that's a secret. I think our players know that. Um, but it's up to us to to make sure that we're playing the right way to be able to prepare to, to do that.
1: And Emily, you guys, the you know, teams you're playing this week at Dartmouth-Harvard, you took you, you, you had a tie against Harvard, you had to come back, win against Dartmouth, what do you have to do to, you know, continue those, uh, a beating streak against those two teams?
9: I think it's going to be a really fun weekend, I know that Dartmouth is really mad that we ended up coming back and beating them, and it's, you know, the hockey road's small, so we all know people on every team, but there's been a lot of chirping so far, and I think that that kind of riles our team up, and then also, at the end of the day, like, we just have to be better. We have to score. We have to follow our systems and just, like, play the game that we know we can play. And we had, again, like, a bad two weeks. But I don't think that should affect this coming kind of weekend.
1: Sophie, the defensive front of you probably hasn't helped you with, with you know, the goals that they, the opposition scored. What, do what does that team have to do to, to uh, play tighter in front of you?
10: I think just going back, like, making it simple, like, playing our game and being heavy and just doing everything we're told to do and just, like, Go back to square one. Like, forget about the last two games and just go back and play how we were playing before and just reset.
3: Can you kind of elaborate on that in terms of, you know, maybe the culture within, just the teammate with the locker, with the teammates, what the locker room is like? Because it sounds like you know what needs to be done in order to kind of get back on that winning track, but it also seems very optimistic when the two of you are talking about how to get there at the same time.
9: Uh, I mean. I don't I feel like if you think about it too much then you just start over analyzing the little things that might not matter as much and I think that like as soon as we all just go on the ice and start playing and get really competitive with each other then it becomes more fun and our team's a lot better when we're having fun. So like in practice this week when we're scoring a bunch and looking at video where we celebrate a bunch after scoring and things like that it hypes us all up and I think that just finding like the positive sides of things really helps us but if we dwell on the negatives and how we lost really badly over the last two weeks, and that kind of just keeps us down. So, I think that Sophie and I do a good job of helping everybody stay on the more positive aspect of things.
10: I was going to mention the same thing just if we keep being negative about everything, and like being negative just brings everyone else down. So, trying to change that mindset and trying to change the like environment in a locker room to be positive and push people to work harder or, or perform better, like that's just Makes everyone else want to perform better and work harder and cheer everyone
9: else on, so it's a constant cycle. And at the end of the day, like every team does lose, and so like we lost, but we know that we can be better than that, and we'll we'll be back, we'll be fine.
1: We'll wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the uh, Daily Gazette's U Pick a Football Contest, and I'll have my predictions for the NFL's Divisional Round. I think you know what one of my picks will be. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast.
0: A game without
1: a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in New York. Purchase a ticket to your
0: local high school's game or performance. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
7: Hi, this is Daily Gazette Opinion Editor Mark Mahoney. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette
1: Sports Editor Ken Shot. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 19 winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick em Football Contest was Joseph Bieber of Alplus. Joseph wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Joseph. The VIP winner was Scott Hudson of Emmerich Sales and Service. I went 4-2 last week to improve to 177, 98-2. and two. I am tied for first place with Andrew Kraunce of Glenville Beverage. My Gazette colleague Adam Schindler went 5-1. He is 173-102-2. and two. I'll announce the winner of the U-Pickin' Football Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the U-Pickin' Football banner. My picks for the NFL's divisional round are Kansas City over Jacksonville, my Philadelphia Eagles over the New York Giants, Buffalo over Cincinnati, and San Francisco over Dallas. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID-19 is affecting us in the Capital Region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so, do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Bob Weiner and members of the Union College men's and women's hockey teams for being a part of the show. I'll have podcasts following the Union men's games against St. Lawrence on Friday and Clarkson on Saturday. I hope you'll listen. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot. That's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company I'm am Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shots. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.